Bankless Nation special episode for you today. Is the crypto bull market back? That is the question on my mind, on David's mind, probably on your mind, Bankless listener. And we have the person uh, who I think is best at answering this question, Up Only's Ledger. Ledger is back on the podcast, one of our favorite market commentators. And that is the question we are going to ask. David, are we back, baby? I don't know yet. What do you think? Yeah, that, that is certainly the question. And I'm pretty well convinced that Ledger is going to come on in a quick second and tell us unequivocally that we are 100% back. It's totally <laughs> on. The bull market's 100% confirmed. It's time to allocate. I'm just absolutely positive that that's going to be the answer. But without putting woes in his mouth, I'll wait for him to, to actually be asked the question here in a second. Okay. Well, we're going to get right to that in just a minute. But we want to give a shout out to our friends and sponsors over at Doppel. Okay? Doppel. Do Doppel is who you call when you want to fish the fishers, when you want to squash all the fishers out there that are coming for your community. So, David, what does Doppel call? do? Yeah. Who are you going to call? You got to call Doppel. Do? Doppel, yeah. So, uh, I mean, me, Ryan, many other people definitely have some fake accounts that have been spun up attempting to fish you. Uh, there have been people who have been on the receiving ends. To of, be clear, they're impersonating us. They're not actually us yes, on the other not, side. They are not us. They, they, they spell their names like us. They use our yeah, profile pictures like, like us. us. They attempt to copy our us. tweets, but they're not us. Uh, Doppel helps protect you uh, and really this entire industry. Uh, against all of the phishing scams and surface area for risk of you losing your assets that exists out there. Uh, so if you have impersonators or you need other additional like layers of protection as you navigate the crypto space, Doppel is for you. There is a link in the show notes to get started with Doppel. Who are you going to call? Am I Doppel. allowed to rip off of that copyright? I don't yeah, know, but totally. I'll call Doppel. <laughs> yeah, what they do is they, they play whack-a-mole with all the fishers and do takedowns, get their websites taken down. It is really yeah. the most effective method. Bankless yeah. is a user of Doppel. Yes. So go sign up at doppel.com slash sign up. All right, David. A few questions I think we're going to mm -hmm. ask uh, Ledger today when we come back after the break, but why are the markets pumping? Mm -hmm. Was there a cause for this? That's top of mind for me. Um, are we ready for up only bull market or is this right. just a kind of a, you know, are we, are we getting much ado about nothing? Yeah. yeah. I, I also want to ask Ledger what charts he's paying attention to now. What are some of the key signals he's taking a look at? And also, um, maybe we should bring up macro. Right. I mean, does that factor in? There's wars going on. The macro is very uncertain at this point of time, but does any of that even matter? And then we've got 2024, which is the year of the Bitcoin happening. It's also an election year for the U.S. Does that factor into into this? These are some of my questions uh, for Ledger after the, after the break. Uh, what else we got? Yeah, there's just been some sentiment shifts out of some uh, smaller cap coins, smaller cap compared to Bitcoin and Ether. Uh, both Sol and Link have broken out of their like 18 month long bear market ranges. Um, there's a lot of arguments to be made that sentiment has shifted. Um, I am someone who definitely feels that uh, I am kind of personally a weather vane when it comes to sentiment. So I yeah. need somebody like, uh, Brian to ledger to give me permission to be uncategorically bullish, which I'm sure I, like I said, is he's totally about to give me David. I don't know about that. He might not, he might be putting the brakes, easing on the brakes on all of this. I, I don't I, believe it. Well, I will have to ask him. We'll find out more when we come back with ledger, but before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible, including our number one crypto exchange to purchase your Bitcoin mm -hmm. and purchase your ETH and be ready for the bull market. That's Kraken. Go create an account.
Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. Celo is the mobile-first, EVM-compatible, carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. And now, something big is happening. Introducing the Celo Layer 2. It's a game-changing proposal that's going to bring Celo's rapidly growing ecosystem home to Ethereum. Vitalik has shared his excitement for the Celo Layer 2 on the Celo Forum. So has Ben Jones from Optimism. But why? The Celo Layer 2 will bring huge advantages, like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability, and one block finality. What does all that mean? Rock-solid security, a trustless bridge to Ethereum, and more real world use cases for Ethereum without compromise. And real world adoption is happening. Active addresses on Celo have grown over 500% in the last six months. With the Celo Layer 2, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using ERC20 tokens. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forum. Follow at Celo.org on Twitter and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. Bankless Nation, I'm so excited to reintroduce you to Up Only's Ledger. Uh, I've been listening to Ledger and his market commentary for years now, uh, at least at least three, uh, ever since uh, my POV crypto days, way back when. Uh, Ledger has seen a thing or two when it comes to market cycles. It's been uh, not his first rodeo, maybe not his second. Uh, Ledger, welcome back to Bankless. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I guess um, should we be starting a new cycle now? This will be my third go-round on... Uh, a crypto cycle. Dude, and... Are you feeling old, man? Th third I've been go feeling around old for a while. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't know if I'm ready for another one. I, yeah. I guess that's the main question for today. Is is that what we've just entered into? Is this like a, a new bull cycle that's been on? Is the bull market back? Right. Yeah. It's it's back. Right. Right. Right, Brian. Uh, yeah. Like some some things are back. I don't know about <laughs> your bags. Um... <laughs> But there's there's reason for optimism in the market right now, for sure. Um, I think that there's it's complicated. It's more this is more complicated than it's ever been in terms of like what role does crypto play in broader markets. Oh, um, so it's not binary. It's not yes or no. We actually no, have to talk about this. But there, you know, some things that have been part of what we we discuss every time that we talk um, would tell you we are in a bull market. Mm. So when you look at the technicals for Bitcoin in particular. Um, we are in a bull market, like by definition. Um, that said, you know, we haven't obviously breached all time highs and I'm not saying like, wait until there is a new all time high to buy, but you know, the, we haven't hit the easy mode yet. You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to churn through in order to, to get to that kind of price exploration territory. Um, we don't know what price exploration would look like in today's market. What kind of baggage does that draw with it? If Bitcoin makes an all-time high, do we have, you know, a thousand shitcoins that try to follow on? And what does that do in terms of spreading out liquidity? Obviously, we had a lot of rehypothecation of Bitcoin in the last cycle through um, what looks to be pretty clear fraud now. Um, and and so, like, you start taking some of that out, you in increase passive flows through the ETF, like... There's some real interesting stuff that could happen. And so far, we're seeing serious strength in Bitcoin. Um, 
a pretty serious breakdown on the ETH BTC pair. Um, some alts are following along with Bitcoin and outperforming. Solana's been doing really well and some others as, as well. But on the whole, they're not. The meme coins aren't really following along. So like this makes for really interesting, uh, fairly convincing early market cycle stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean you just like buy every JPEG, buy every altcoin, like go all in across the spectrum and you're just, you know, gonna make it like I, I think you can still make pretty bad decisions right now and but if you're if you're in solid stuff if you're letting bitcoin do bitcoin things then um you have an opportunity for a solid reward but you know bitcoin is not i don't i don't if bitcoin 100x is we got bigger problems in the world um so <laughs> yeah. like if you're looking for 100x returns like i don't think that's what this moment is about you know we're trying to establish a baseline for what does recovery and strength look like. So happy to walk through some charts for that. And uh, yeah, we're, we're back in a way, just don't get out over your skis too much. You know, like I wouldn't be going a hundred X long anywhere um, at any time, but you know, that, that's not, I don't think that's the market that we're in right now. Yeah. I'm putting on a more serious hat. Um, the, what I've noticed uh, is as bull market posting on Twitter went from having no engagement to having like a hundred times more engagement. And this is just one signal of amount of, that of many of what it would take to incur some sort of just like change in the vibe, change in the sentiment. Uh, now, like change in sentiment is just dubious because the prices could nuke 10% like tomorrow. And then all of a sudden that sentiment change would be out the window and then this show would be for nothing. Um, but like, I am trying to navigate like at some point markets are just exhausted being bearish. When you're bearish for two years in a row, at some point bear, people's bear market fuel runs out and all of a sudden that is itself a catalyst. And amongst many other actual fundamental ca fundamental uh, catalysts, like a, a Bitcoin ETF uh, or you know any of the other like catalysts that are moving the lower cap coins, um, bullishness does beget bullishness. And I think we'll really only be able to kind of ch judge this week in hindsight. Uh, but I do think that there is a case to be made, an argument to be made that like that errant coin telegraph tweet of the approval of the spot Bitcoin ETF showed that a lot of people were actually offsides on that trade and now they are getting onsides and all of a sudden Bitcoin is breaking above $30,000 and then a short squeeze happens to $34,000. That's enough. That's a, like a lot of ammo to trigger bullishness, which itself is another catalyst. Uh, and so again, like I said, uh, a negative 10% candle could just nuke all of that and change the sentiment. But to me, there seems to be like a lot of aligning of the stars, whether that's enough to kick off an entire bull market, TBD. But I think we would be able to look back on this week and specifically in history potentially and say like, oh yeah, that is that is when it would start. How do you feel about that? David really wants to be bullish right I really now. want to be you bullish. I'm really done being Can bearish. you give him permission to be bullish? <laughs> yeah, I'll show you a little bit about, um, you know, your your evidence for, mm -hmm. for bullishness. Um, so I just pulled up a, a Bitcoin weekly chart and... We've talked about this a good bit, but just using the 200-week moving average as a barometer of bullishness or bearishness or potential support. Now, this is the first time um, in Bitcoin's history where the 200-week um, was not basically just end of bear market support. You know, it's it's been such a young asset that previous market cycle 
bear market bottoms were above that 200 week back in 2015 mm-hmm. again in 2018 even covid's 2020 or i'm sorry 2020 bottom um the 200 week was support and we spent a significant amount of time under it and then hovering basically at it kind of walking that 200 week uh once we um you know got back to it from the bottom um and you're talking about is the bull market back but the bottom was November, a year ago like that's hard to believe but the mm-hmm. the bottom we're coming up on november and um so we we've, we've we've been off the bottom for a year and the question is you know is this a breakout a break up and we're going to go into kind of that prior range uh that bitcoin spent a significant portion of the last bull market like it really that that bull market was hottest when Bitcoin was not really making new all time highs. If y'all remember that, right. you know, yeah. local bottom in June, July, 2021, and then topped in November, 2021. It was a, it was an underperformer in that period, even though it went from, you know, 30 K to back to 69, I think. Um, but other stuff did way, way better. It had the meat of its move after DeFi summer and the fall of 2020 uh, time period. And then starting in January, 2021, when Bitcoin went to 30K for the first time, it kind of, you know, sputtered relative to the rest of the market. The rest of the market did very, very well. And we had a very strange cycle where alts outperformed for a very long time. And that's what I don't know is going to happen again here. Like, could we have, could we be starting something like what we saw in the fall of 2020, where you did have this flight to quality? Larry Fink called Bitcoin that recently <laughs> in, in, in reference to global markets. And in that scenario, we had this crazy microcosm, you know, of DeFi summer stuff. And then a bunch of money flowed into Bitcoin. And as the seasonality kicked in, I'm, I've become a pretty big believer in seasonality with Bitcoin, whether it's the halvings, whether it's like tax cutoff timeframes, like end of year stuff. Um, so could we have a run over the course of November and December that's like the ETF run for Bitcoin? Uh, I absolutely think that could happen. And then you might see flows in the new year where they kind of trickle down into other things. Maybe that's when ETHBTC bottoms. Maybe that's when ETH and Solana and you know some of the some of the survivors of the bear market really start to pop off. Should we continue to see you know Bitcoin progress here? Um, and that you brought up, Ryan, the role of crypto and macro. Like it's kind of hard to operate completely in a vacuum if the world blows up you know, we go to World War Three. like alts aren't going to run, you know, I don't really know what Bitcoin does. I've, I've talked about in the past how I think Bitcoin is a bit of a chaos asset. So it's kind of hard to peg like, or is it going to do the same thing as gold? Is it going to do the same thing as risk on stocks? I, it's, it's, it's been weird um, over, over history. Um, so Bitcoin may perform well in a, in a world chaos environment, or maybe Bitcoin and some other things are, starting to do well not just because of etf news but also what if rates are topping you know um who it was bill ackman that talked about closing their uh short on bonds and um if if rates are peaking then you may see bitcoin and gold do very well together um because you know rates 
rates at high levels are going to have a hard create challenges for unyielding assets. Um, and so as, as you don't have as much, uh, conviction and, and yield continuing to improve through, um, you know, treasuries and whatnot, then you start looking at hard money. Or if you think we're going to start printing money or we're going to have deflation or whatever, um, there's a, there's a chance that that's going to have a big impact. And we could see this kind of magic sauce for, for Bitcoin to do a thing at the same time, ETF markets are coming online. And I could imagine a world where we get significantly higher moves from here but don't ignore the fact if i put some drawings on here like we're we're churning through what in my mind was pretty serious resistance you know it was resistance twice it was support in the bull market um and so this is a pretty clean breakout that 32 33k range um but where does this exactly fizzle out i don't know i think a, a pretty aggressive uh spot would be like high 40s that kind of 47k where we broke down from Mm. um back in march of 2022 and that was when it was so over right like it's just (laughs) bad it's like back to the back to that because we had just week after week after week of punishment at that time and ftx didn't technically all the way fail until november of 2020 and that marked the bottom you know that that FTX failure in November 2022 was literally the bottom, um, and so you start to put some of these in context, and that that gets interesting. You know, you can do some other stuff. I don't. I'm not intending to just draw endlessly here, but like if you're saying let's do fib retracements, you know, that kind of thing from uh, the all time high to the to the bear market low, mm. um, your 50 percent retracement would be around 41k. Your .618, though, is right at that same red line. I'm going to zoom into this a little bit so that people can see. And I apologize. This is There's a lot going on here right now. I've um, seen worse. <laughs> but a .618 retracement of that move puts you at the same place as that weekly level at 47. Um, I think if we get there in the 40K something, like 40K range, I, th- I do think we'll see some um, some resistance there. I think it's a little premature to say like, okay, well, you know, ETFs here, we had two green weeks and we're just going to moon <laughs> and like never right. stop. 100K, here we come, let's go. I'm buying calls, you know, <laughs> and I'm and it's going to go ballistic. I think that's, it's premature for that. Like you can, it's okay to, to take your time, build a base, um, climb a wall of worry, if you will. Like if you look back at, you know, cryptos, bull market um, from the 2015 bottom. 2016 was a great year, but it wasn't like Instamoon, you know. We really made the biggest push in 2017. That was when you have your price exploration. We hadn't done any of that stuff here. Um, So we might just, you know, take our time. It might take a year from now to reach all-time highs. Like if you're just saying all-time highs are imminent, I think you're stupid, to be honest. Um, but to say, hey, yet again, the having cycle in you know April or May or whatever, and that that creates this um, supply constraint on Bitcoin. You you know, you're we've continued to see um, a lot of mining capacity come on to the network. You know, these things have happened before, and they've tended to be uh, fundamentally bullish things for for Bitcoin. Um, and, and we could see that again, where over the course of the next year, 
you like climb that wall of worry and a year from now we might be making new like starting to make new all-time highs but to expect them immediately i think is a bit premature okay a few a few things i want to you know say number one if you are listening on the podcast okay um you're getting some benefit to get maximum benefit we are looking at a whole bunch of charts and so what you need to do is go click the youtube link and actually view this so you can see what David Ledger and I are witnessing on this episode where all the charts are happening. That's the first thing I'll say. Um, the, the second thing I'll say, and I'll just make this very obvious, is uh, you said the bottom was about a year ago. So mm-hmm. November of last year. I don't. I, I think some people are not aware that, um, like, of that emphatic call that there has been a bottom. Like the, if you say there's a bottom, that means the bear market is over. Like we're not going to bottom again. And so it is up from here, at least up from the bottom. Now, however long that takes, whether it takes, you know, the climbing the wall of worry in all of 2024, uh, we're not, are, are you saying that you don't think we'll go back to November, uh, 2022 bottoms ledger? Are you pretty like conclusive about that at least? Sure. I mean, you can't say it wasn't a bottom when you're up 127 percent from that bottom you know like that's a pretty big bounce um if we go like full full recession in the u.s um which is definitely possible like that's part of what bill ackman's point was was he just sees deflationary pressure in the u.s like that could take this whole this that could make this take longer yet um in response to that, though, the U.S. will do what it does best and print money. And I think that'll I, – I, I just think that you have a lot of demand for Bitcoin in the 20K world. And so like making a – yeah, going sub-15, sub-16K I think is highly unlikely. I think you'll have a lot of buyers of Bitcoin um, well before you get there. I think what I'd be watching for is – what does it look like if we do retest that 200 week retest the the range lows you know like in the sub 25 27k that kind of stuff um could you do 42 to 47 and then back to 27 <laughs> you know like that's pretty painful too and that's what i think if you're a trying to be a savvy investor like what you might want to be prepared for is what do you do in those scenarios and it's less important what route does it take versus what do you do? Like, are you seeking to take profit? Like, are you hitting maybe long-term capital gains? Because you did buy over the course of the last year. And if we get into the 40Ks, 40K something like that, you feel like you have an acceptable return or are you ride or, ride or die and, you know, you just plan to uh, add to your position if we if we run back sub 30k after that and having a plan for yourself I think is important and then when you might you know go pedal metal a little bit it would be all right well what do I do in the case of new price exploration like we make new all-time highs we go above 70k what does that look like for me and where do I where do I where do I make these like bigger bull market targets? Barring that, we have a lot of prices where Bitcoin has existed over the past couple of years below where we are, and a lot of prices where Bitcoin has existed over the past couple of years above where we are. And honestly, your people that thrive in that kind of environment are your what you call your like level to level traders. You know, you think of the way like some friends of mine like Don and Cred and analyze markets. They're just going to look at where is weekly resistance, where is weekly support, and they may make some intermediate trades. 
and then also have this kind of like underlying bullish thesis of I want to have core exposure to crypto, but specifically to Bitcoin. Like, I mean, I like JPEGs as much as David, who's got one sitting there in his, the background of his <laughs> of his um, office there. But like, it may not be the best time to go buy JPEGs. You know, like I don't think we're in that froth level of market where. You know, you buy buy some new mint or even like blue chips, punks or whatever. And you know, I think a punk is like forty five ETH still. It's kind of been in that sub fifty ETH range for a while, and it might stay there for a while. Like I think expecting you know uh, NFTs to triple or quadruple in ETH relative terms is probably asking a little too much of this market. I think asking ETH itself, like. What is it going to do? There, ETH has gotten punished lately. And that's why when you're asking if we're back, I'm like, oh, you know, ETH BTC looks pretty bad. <laughs> you know, all three of us like ETH, but that that looks pretty bad. That same 200-week moving average that I was talking about with Bitcoin, um, ETH relative to Bitcoin is losing that same moving average right now. And so you have to acknowledge what might, my, what might the lows look like. And saying 0.04 to, you know, 0.043, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's the for ratio ETH. you're talking about, uh, ETH Bitcoin ratio you're talking about right now. Yeah, ETH relative to Bitcoin. Um, now I actually don't mind the ETH chart in USD terms, but it's just a no man's land. I'm sitting here looking at it with the 20 week moving average, 200 week moving average in the same range that it's been in for two years. No real sign of of a positive breakout at the same time that Bitcoin is having that positive breakout. So maybe it'll have a short-term follow and and we'll it'll try to bounce off this ETH BTC ratio of 0 0.05, 0 0.0525, whatever it's at right now. Um, but it kind of it needs to save this level without basically going to jail, <laughs> like 0 .0, sub 0 0.05 on the on the ratio. So you know if you're allocating some percentage to ETH, some percentage to BTC might, again, want to know what do you want to do in that scenario? Because what's a bummer is, you know, if, if you're not allocated at all to, to Bitcoin and it goes to 40K, 47K, and ETH is at 1700 or 1800 still in that scenario, like that's pretty painful. That's a painful trade. So what are you, are you going to capitulate um, once, once it hit? you know, Bitcoin gets to 50K or something, 45K, and you're like, oh, crap, I'm so screwed. I'm selling my ETH for Bitcoin, and that's the ETH BTC bottom. <laughs> you know, like, you can still lose in a bull market. We've seen it a lot. So knowing what you're going to do and how you're going to respond and how you're going to allocate is just as important as are we are we done going down. Mm -hmm. Two data points around this that I want to bring up is um, the spot Bitcoin ETF approval, which everyone is anticipating the recent price action in Bitcoin might just be the front running of that. I think that's yes. the, the, the left curve take to, that's pretty simple. Uh, so that's data point number one. Data point number two is that if this is a bull market, a return of the bull market, um, a return of bullish sentiment, Bitcoin has always front ran ether and has always front ran the market. Uh, I, I think that's true. Uh, I mean, you've, you've been around the cycles uh, a few more times than me and been looking at the charts. Uh, th that is the way that historically bull markets have started. That's is the way this is big, supposed to happen. Yeah, this is the way that yes. it goes. Yeah. But you have, to, you have to understand where you are in that and what, like how, how you're positioned. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as an Ethan Joyer, we're gonna look at ultrasound money and find out like, are we are is ETH deflationary? Are we burning ETH? Are people using uh, that's a, it? That's like, that's narrative fuel. Like it is that, narrative fuel, but that that's part of the conversation and compared to Bitcoin. Like, we're comparing you, you, that. We're comparing that to the Bitcoin having is my point. Like it, you know, it's what's happening to the supply and what are what are we facing? I think that's a reasonable thing to to look at. Do you, do you think the actual momentary inflation of ETH on its like 30-day time frame, even though that it is still significantly less inflationary than Bitcoin, that the narrative is is part, the negative no, narrative that Ether is inflating yeah. is actually showing up in the charts? No, I don't think it's real. Okay. I think that in most markets, um, a good a good bit of Ethereum gets burned and you know it continues to be a pretty severe deflationary shock. And I'm still a believer that L2 transaction volume will end up accruing a lot of value to the L1. And I don't think layer two activity is bearish for ETH. Um, and I agree. I think like you, Bitcoin needs a little room to shine. Like it's been a while, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess I would just say as an ETH bull, like this is what i expected this is exactly yeah, yeah. How, what i expected right this is how this is how the bull market always begins uh, you, you talked about 2016 right first bitcoin had its run and then kind of the alts followed then ethereum yeah. followed among some others right i will say i did not expect the eth btc ratio to fall back down to the levels in which the three arrows capital was getting liquidated and then they were dumping their stake is that what it is that, oh yeah, it, it is. is wow i did not expect is. to naturally that's why I don't, return there I, that's why i don't tra- I ever trade or I rarely look at the ratio but like i i king bitcoin has to have its run to make a bull market actually official and right. you know um that's the way it happened in 2020 as well so bitcoin had its run do you remember do you remember that 2020 run where there was like um some doubt mm-hmm. as to whether ether was even a necessary yeah. asset you DeFi just hold tokens bitcoin and, bitcoin. DeFi and you hold defi and, and then you've got the entire market ether is not even new valuable in this and then of course ETH followed up with a with a monster run of its own before other alternative layer ones kind of had their run. Is that just the base case of how this plays out? Time right? is a flat circle. Yeah, I mean, it is. like this is not hard, right? We just do this same thing every four years, and now it's beginning. And so, you know, maybe this is twenty fifteen going into twenty sixteen, maybe, or maybe this is twenty nineteen going to twenty twenty. This is always what happens, right? So, is this and just the that, same pattern? I had that same worry in twenty twenty. I was like, surely it can't be this easy that on a four-year <laughs> on a four-year cycle we just do the thing again. And now here we are, like four years later, and I'm like, surely it can't be this easy that on a four-year cycle. Well, do you still cycle, say that anymore? Or now that you're doing the it's this the third time, are you just like, oh, that's how it's going to play out? And you're just no, I think it? that's extremely dangerous thinking. Like just to really. Say, yeah, I think the the history. I think it's dangerous to bet against that. Like, yeah, I think it's like why? Like why would you bet against it? Am willing not to the bet, same I'm, I simultaneously <laughs> am willing to bet on it and think surely this is too easy. Like well, that's exactly this. what I thought last bull market. My first bull market, uh, first bear market. I got into crypto like halfway through the bull market of 2017. And then throughout 2018 through 2020, everyone was like four year cycles. It's going to do it all over again. Uh, there's going to be another cycle. And I'm like, if everyone's saying there's going to be another cycle, then that means there's not going to be another cycle. That's just not how yeah. markets work. And then the same exact thing played out to a T. And now this time I'm like, until proven otherwise, four-year cycles. Until the pattern breaks, 
four that, year cycles. And maybe that does there there is like a seasonality component that's very important there. And I wonder if and this is me just speculating. I don't know. I'm gonna bet on it too. Like I'm <laughs> actively betting on it. But I I wonder if the magnitude of the cycle is where you end up getting tripped up, right? Mm -hmm. Like what if we go to 70K and then we struggle and we go all the way through the having there, you know what I mean? And like we, Mm -hmm. and the, the, the cycle that was promised, it's like, we were, we were supposed to be at 250 this time. Sailor is supposed to be like the richest guy on the planet and everything, you know, wag me. And (laughs) instead we're like, we, we two X'd and, and then we lost money because we were expecting this massive, you know, price exploration period that we didn't get. And then, you know, oops, like alts didn't follow or, you know, whatever, like there's ways to lose. And maybe that's what happens is we just, it's a little more lackluster. Um, If you want to go way back and this is going to be super boomer material, but like, if you look at the, um, the, the run in the NASDAQ, the, the NASDAQ, the, the tech bubble of 01 popped the popped the nasdaq the 08 cycle where the s p made new highs and looked great and whatever well the nasdaq didn't it never got back to its prior all-time highs the nasdaq didn't break the prior all-time high for 16 years wow it took from two the you know the tech bubble in 2000 which i i mean honestly i think you can compare I think 2021 was bigger than 2020, 2017 in terms of like just dollars in. And you, I think you can compare it and it, it might take longer than we think. It took 16 years for the tech bubble to be breached. And then we saw what happened is, you know, I'm looking at a log chart right now, but wow. in linear, this was a huge move from 2016 to 2021. Um, for the NASDAQ 100 and the largest tech companies in the world. They were all left for dead and underperformers for a very long time. We went through the Great Recession. It had not gone back to its all-time highs. And then it basically went back and retested the lows. And then it was, you know, two, April 2009 was the best time ever to invest in tech, but it took a long time. That was a bit, that was a, talk about a wall of worry. Like it took a really long time for that trade to play out. So the magnitude of the recovery could have easily been underestimated in that process because there were many trades that were better than tech. I actually kind of wonder if uh, maybe some subset of crypto assets might play out similar to kind of the NASDAQ chart. Like if you just take DeFi tokens, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing nothing saying that's on a four-year cycle and that kind of follows um, Bitcoin or even follows Ether, right? It could take a long time for DeFi tokens as an asset class to to recover. I don't disagree. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're gonna look, I, are you pulling up some DeFi tokens? Because okay, I am. Link, link am. is there, Link is an exception. I think there are some but, worse DeFi tokens you could look at. I know. Oh, there's definitely way worse. But <laughs> this is something to be excited about. I'm looking at a monthly chart. I'm gonna switch it to weekly. But like, this is a multi-year. We're looking cycle. at the Link chart now. Link Podcast USD. Listeners. Yeah, Link, link USD. And I don't own any Link, but mm-hmm. I will acknowledge I own some other stuff that's doing similar. But I'm not. I'm trying to not be biased here and show my bags. But May May 2022. Um, is when it kind of started this range and it just broke out of that. And right. that's really interesting. Now that's a, that is a, a pain trade right there. Right. You know, like that, that range that link was in and some of this other coins were doing very well, but link didn't do like, it, it just kind of stayed right where it was. It basically looks like a volatile stable coin. 
Um, but I'm last week, <laughs> last week it it broke out of that. Um, mm-hmm. and it, well, it, uh, it not a little bit like that is a, a lot. big That's old a big candle. candle. Yeah, it's a big candle, and I don't know what that means, but I'm interested in it. Like I'm really interested, in if this and some other stuff can break long two year ranges, and then what do they do? Because we talked, I just showed you some charts about how long it took for some stuff to be able to to break out and do something. Links not to all time highs, and you know, same if you look at some others. And there, there's a lot of variation. Like Uni has not done very well, but right. Link has done well. Ave has done well, and you know, like it's what, even amongst... what's when you look at like Link and Ave and some of the ones that have done well versus some of the ones that have not done well. What do you think the difference is? I literally have no idea. Like I can't, I'm, this is where like, I'm not question. as smart as I think a lot well, of your audience in regards open up, to. Open up Ave and then, cause you said Ave is doing well and then Uni is not doing well. So, okay. So this is. Like Ave hasn't had the breakout that Link has right. had, but it has That's had a breakout a cap- and it's acceptable. It, yeah. It looks really good. Like it, do, it does look strong. Well, like and, a potential pre breakout potentially token. Yeah. But then you go look at, um, and uh, Synthetics is another one that's like, no, not, not still in no man's land, but right. it's not, it's not dying. Right. Um, my left like, curve take on uni all of is that. dying. Wow. I mean, yeah, uni looks really bad. It's at the bottom of the range while those right. others are at the top of the range. Isn't, you know what I mean? Isn't the easiest fundamentals explanation of this that like bearish, like governance tokens, bullish tokens that have actual like cash flow. value accrual cash flow token, <laughs> which Abe does have. Which Abe yeah. does have, and Link does have, in the form of kind of you know you, you have to stake your Link. Yeah, maybe maybe so. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. I just I know that I'm I've see, I've started to see some of these patterns develop over the course of years, right? Like, and when you then see stuff breaking those patterns, I'm not gonna ignore that, um, and I'm pretty interested in it. And I don't I don't know you know which all are the the right DeFi coins to look Wi-Fi. at. I'm mostly wow. I'm mostly showing some you know Boomer DeFi, right? Like. Right. Um, Maker's another one that's uh, Maker actually yeah, was the wow. first one to go right. Like wow, yeah, it looks. I mean, I haven't looked at Maker's. Those other ones, if Maker was at the same place as say Ave, it would be worth nine hundred dollars right now, right? Mm-hmm. But it's worth fourteen eighty, fifteen hundred. Right. Uh, I went to sixteen hundred this week. Um, Again, I'll point out a cash flowing a cash kind of token, asset. you know, yeah. MKR tokens based on fees that accrues at the protocol level. It's, it's not just a valueless governance token. And I wonder, maybe there's an impact here. Like Arthur Zero X is a good example of some, like one of the people talking about this, but there are people out there talking about the value of kind of liquid funds, right? Like they're just going to buy stuff that's working well on the market. And maybe you're seeing that in these charts is the people who are willing to bid some of these tokens. And they're obviously being selective. It's not a, it's not this like umbrella of everything going up. And I think that's good. That's healthy. That's like fundamentally driven. You're seeing some stuff do better than other stuff. And we want to see more of that. And so let, let I'm, t- I'm translating this because we want to see what's next you know like let's say bitcoin continues to run like what follows who's winning you know who's standing out amongst DeFi? who's standing out amongst the layer one trade like i think sentiment wise it seems like solana has been it similarly it's at the top of its range um despite... solana, solana is back to pre-ftx implosion levels yes despite 
like there's still a tremendous amount of uncertainty with what's going to happen with some, you know, some coins that who knows whose control they're in. You know, I don't know. Is it like Mount Gox style where they just end up like looming for years? Yeah, Uh, the Mount Gox overhang. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, Solana went to eight bucks and it's at 30. That's a great trade. If you just, I mean, I don't know who could have diamond handed that through all the craziness, but shoot, it's, it's almost back into, I used to call that cause it had this floor of, you know, 25 to $30 that it eventually broke um, at the, during that FTX breakdown, November, 2022. But now it's kind of threatened to get back in that range. Its prior range was like thirty to fifty bucks. That it's basically, if uh, Alameda wasn't pumping it like crazy above fifty bucks, then that's where its life was twenty five to fifty. And it's trying to get back in that range, and that's super interesting to me. So Mm -hmm. I I think what you what you can do is selectively say like, hey, what what is the trade, but and also when. and I don't, I don't really think like Bitcoin's done with Bitcoin dominance. Over time, though, I think that there's a, a good argument for some selective bets for where can I find out performance beyond this trade, and what does my allocation need to look like? So I think that's what we need, like that's what we're paying attention to, right? As we enter the new year, and I think all of that should Bitcoin continue to like beat the drum for the ETF and all that. The spot ETF is going to have a real impact on flows. It's just going to happen, right? People are still putting money in their 401ks. And when their 401ks have better optionality for what they can invest in, I think that we'll see real spot driven, not futures, not, not, you know, paper trading, but spot driven flows that goes into Bitcoin. And that's, that could have a strong impact um the pink haired punk that does the, all the good youtube videos i don't remember their punk number but y'all know who i'm talking about the, uh, the NFT punk yeah yeah the proof punk yeah yeah, yeah uh, the, the, they work for proof but what you whatever the pink haired punk right. um they um they did put a chart on twitter for what gold did after the first gold etfs came out and gold right. went like 5x or something mm-hmm. um and you know, gold's inherent value did not change. It's just access to gold improved. Hmm. And even though a lot of people do have access through you know their Coinbase app or whatever, most people don't have near the buying power when they're using something the same way they'd use Venmo. And they're like, sure, I'll buy a hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin. But a lot of people who are in the workforce and who save into their 401ks and have matches from their employers, and that's a lot of people, even though all of us are, you know, jobless in addition to bankless. Um, <laughs> like we 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 can understand putting a lot of our like liquid taxable net worth into this stuff, but most people don't. When they are making investing decisions, they're doing it through their 401ks and their Roth IRAs and things like that. And I think that'll have a real impact on access to Bitcoin. This is, I just snatched the screen from you, Ledger. This is the, uh, what you're talking about. Um, Yeah. That's a heck of a move, isn't it? 400 bucks to average annual gold, gold prices. And the first U S gold ETF in November, uh, 2004. And uh, you just look at um, price of gold kind of skyrocket after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Through 2008. Yeah. Uh We got a lot more to cover though, David, Uh, you want to tease us? Yeah, I think uh, there's two there's two possible paths and then an infinite shades in between these two things. Uh, one is we get the spot Bitcoin ETF approval 
followed by the Bitcoin halving, followed by the Fed easing. And we just have this the super easening. cycle. Yeah, the easing. <laughs> uh, followed by the super cycle, which Suzu watches from jail, which is just uh, hilariously ironic. That's like the most bullish version of events. And then there's like a bearish version of events, which is, you know, maybe maybe the SEC has to approve the spot Bitcoin. So we get that one. Uh, the happening does happen, but no one really cares about Bitcoin. There's another black swan event. Like there's a trade war going on with China. There's actual war going on. The Fed doesn't have to ease. Uh, and maybe people just don't have the demand for Bitcoin that we thought. Plus like one more black swan, like we got last time with COVID. There's a, like two possible versions of the future. And I kind of just want to suss these things out. So we will do that in the second half of the show. But first, a moment to talk about the, sec the sponsors that make the show possible, especially MetaMask Portfolio. If you are getting bullish because of this conversation, uh, click MetaMask Portfolio because you have, if you have a MetaMask, you have a MetaMask Portfolio. So check it out. There's a link in the show notes. Let's go hear from them right now. MetaMask Portfolio is your one-stop shop to navigate the world of DeFi. And now bridging seamlessly across networks doesn't have to be so daunting anymore. With competitive rates and convenient routes, MetaMask Portfolio's bridge feature lets you easily move your tokens from chain to chain using popular layer one and layer two networks. And all you have to do is select the network you want to bridge from and where you want your tokens to go. From there, MetaMask vets and curates the different bridging platforms to find the most decentralized, accessible, and reliable bridges for you. To tap into the hottest opportunities in crypto, you need to be able to plug into a variety of networks and nobody makes that easier than metamask portfolio instead of searching endlessly through the world of bridge options click the bridge button on your metamask extension or head over to metamask.io slash portfolio to get started Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own layer three, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit it lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Bankless Nation, we're back with Ledger. Uh, and like I was teeing up right before the break, there's there's this big span of potential outcomes here. There's the most bullish possible version of events in which we just get bullish domino knocked down after bullish domino. That's the happening, the spot Bitcoin ETF, uh, the easing. Uh, but then there's also some potential bearish catalysts as well. And overall, just inside of the macro conversation, Ledger, what, what events, possible events, uh, expected or un uh, otherwise are like the most significant to you? Like what's looming on your horizon? Yeah, I think one of the things that you might might try to anticipate in advance is essentially if you're not allocated and you're getting more FOMO, like you're not, I, Adam Cochran was actually just talking about this. He's taken a lot of crap recently on on Twitter, but he, he made a, a post where he said it was only 20% allocated and kind of missed some of, some of this push. And I thought that was actually pretty cool because most people won't admit Make when that, they're yeah. under allocated. Um, offsides. Yeah, or when they're offsides. And I'm not sure that like right now we're still 
kind of in the in the meat of this move, I think. So it's probably not the worst thing in the world to just kind of ape in. But let's say you're like clenching your fists and waiting and scared, scared for lack of exposure. You're having FOMO and we're at like 42K or 50K or something like that. And like it really is we've turned turned around. I think the likelihood of what causes this macro impetus, like a significant change in rates, for example, is probably because we did have a black swan, right? Mm -hmm. So like you you might have your March 2020, if y'all remember when BitMEX had no bid, and it was simultaneously the start of an enormous bull market, and we'd already been in recovery for a long time. And yet you could have bought Bitcoin at like 3,300 bucks or something that day. And then it was at like 9,000, you know, in less than a month or something insane. But we had gone to 14K before that. We went from 3,100 mm-hmm. at the bottom in 2019 to 14K back to like 3,500 or something whenever it was brutal. Arthur turned yeah, off that BitMEX. Was bad. That was pain. So it was bad. It was, but it was also a black swan, right? It was, mm-hmm. it was the start of COVID. And then, you know, we start printing money and the rest is history. But like, you can just act like that didn't happen. And it was so easy, but that was not easy. And right. what might create this impetus for people to say, like, oh, I need to, I want to own hard assets. And I believe that, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum are hard assets. And, it might be because, hey, we start printing money because something went wrong, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, but so so let me ask you that, though, like philosophically as as kind of a, a trader investor, because I know you're an investor, you also trade like, but you do both, but you're very long term oriented. So you, you can't like, I, I guess my strategy in uh, for, for Black Swan types of events is you always have some dry powder for, for the Black Swan events because you know, over time, something like that is going to happen. So you want to have some fiat cash type reserve to buy when when the market's fearful and those kind of like panic dumps. Although yeah. I, I will tell you in March uh, 2020, it, it, that was a very difficult time to buy. It really this did. Is where, this is where like Ryan learned the lessons, ending, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, that's how we all learn lessons, right? Yeah. But also oh, um, you can't really plan for black swans. Can you ledger? Like you have to basically invest and allocate you you keep this dry powder type reserve for those black swan events but with the rest of your stack and the rest of your stash you have to allocate as if like a black swan's not going to happen because black swan by its nature you you can't predict it 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 comes out of nowhere you know you you don't know what like when it's going to happen or or how or what markets it's going to affect so you can't really plan around that right um you can you can always have dry powder like you said um that doesn't mean you have like 100 percent dry powder so like obviously you're gonna you, if, if you have this black swan event let's say bitcoin goes down 50 percent at some point in a week or a day or something crazy and yeah you can you can you know man up and deploy that dry powder for one um the number two thing is just don't capitulate on something that you believe in strongly and like you end up capitulating the bottom of it just staying in the market staying exposed to your core beliefs is a is an accomplishment in itself uh but number three is what i've at least done and i'm i'm i have to say like i am long-term focused as in i stay paying attention to the market but sometimes i get paper hands man like i'm i tend to be pretty active like (laughs) i if it wasn't like a uh, a strategic investment like a you know a a angel investment type of thing like my number of long-term capital gains even on ethan btc and stuff are not that severe like i i tend to trade but what i the way that it's worked for me and for better or worse like 
sometimes maybe I could have just held for two years and done great. But like, because I was more responsive to the like temperature of the market, it gave me some peace of mind. But I always was like, okay, I'm biasing bullish or I'm biasing bearish, but I'm also going to trade and I'm going to be willing to trade. So if you do feel like, hey, we're frothy, you know, you can put a little more dry powder aside if you want to be active. Now you have to live with the tax consequences of those types of decisions. Mm -hmm. But th if that allows you to sleep at night, then go for it. And for me, um, it's not the case anymore, but for a long time, like I would say 2020 and and 2020 through 2022 like there 95% of my net worth was in this stuff you know mm -hmm. so it's like yeah i'm going to pay pretty close attention at times especially as it's feeling frothy um and what i did for instance in march 2020 i was down bad just like everybody else but i was like i am not stepping away and sitting on my hands right now and i got active i traded right. like a crazy person and that's not for everybody for some people, that just means I'm going to buy another clip and I'm going to buy that clip more rapidly while I know this price is cheap. That could be your version of me just over trading, but I just traded more. And another real time example is I felt fairly underexposed to Bitcoin recently. Now, I was very closely watching how is how are the things that I own performing relative to Bitcoin, and I was confident in that. But I also knew like ETF goes live and Bitcoin is going to go nuts and I won't have enough of it, right? Like, so I could still be performing well relative on like Bitcoin relative pairs of things that I own. Um, but should a, a big news event come along, I'm not going to have enough exposure. So I bought calls to the Bitcoin futures thing. And so, yes, I can afford for those calls to go to zero. It's not like, you know, a significant percentage of my portfolio, but that's what they're for. That's what an out of the money call is when it's on this kind of 30 day time frame, And I kind of screwed up, honestly, because they expire this, the, the ones I bought expire on Friday. And I would have made $50,000 more if I held them one more day. <laughs> <laughs> and instead I rolled them to, to November to kind of maintain that exposure. Um, so I still, well, I had, it was great, you know, but, but like, I would have made a lot more money had I like just held on to them deeper into their, expiry but you don't know when that news is going to show up and what it's going to look like and it you might spend money on that because it's like insurance the way options are supposed to be used when you're long long and like premium whether you're buying puts or buying calls but you're buying options is it's insurance on the unexpected happening happening or this like outsized event so for me it was a way to gain Bitcoin exposure if Bitcoin did something bigger than the things that I owned more of. Mm -hmm. um, so there's lots of things like that that you can do to try to account for it. Ledger, a lot of uh, Bankless listeners, I think about half, we were in the middle of doing a user survey. I think about half, maybe more, started listening to Bankless 2021 or later, as in mm -hmm. in the last like two years or so, or a new entrance into crypto, uh, which means that like that, that was me when I got into crypto in the middle of the 2017 run, not before yeah. the 2017 run, in the middle of it. It means they uh, hadn't made money yet, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you exactly, went, up, you went they, down and you're still around. <laughs> about half of Bankless listeners are like at a wash at best in terms of whether they've made crypto made money in crypto or not. What advice would you have for them understanding where they are in their journey through crypto? 
And this is, they are actually at the very beginning of seeing a full cycle play out. If this does play out in a four year cycle, that they are at the very beginning of a four year long cycle where they will actually be able to make all of their money as the, as the crypto meme goes. What, what would you say to them? Know why you're here and know what you believe in. Because at the end of the day, when it hits the fan and you're, it's time to like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm down bad right now. And I'm, am I going to deploy this dry powder or am I going to capitulate? You're much more likely to make the right decision if you know why you're here and you know what you believe. Um, and that's the biggest thing, no matter what, because it'll also prevent you from, digging into something that you don't believe in as things get frothier, it'll keep you more grounded of like, I'm here, I may trade, you know, what was the one like Obama, Sonic, Inu, <laughs> Harry Potter coin. I might trade that, but like I'm doing it because I want to stack ETH or I want to stack BTC or I believe in, you know, this bankless mantra or something else. Like I'm, I, I, how do I maintain my core beliefs? And along the way, you know, you might gamble a little bit on some of the craziness that pops up. And to be very honest, you might make more money doing that than you do on your like core positions. Um, but know why you're here and like be able to get keep reality in check. Um, you can be, you can ride a wave, and this is all assuming we get this, which would be great. Like we'd all be thankful for that. But acknowledge reality at the same time i mean i i am thankful that i took some off the table when it became for me at least life-changing money and yet i didn't sell enough like and i was one of the more grounded like trying to stay realistic people and some people were like what are you talking about like you want you want to take stuff out of the market what are you going to do like put it in a bank and earn interest or go invest it in something else i'm like yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I got mocked for it. And yet I didn't do enough. If I had just like, when I ha was having those inclinations, just wiped my account clean, accounts clean and been all out, I would have done even better. But that's hard to do too. Like you're never going to time that perfectly. But like taking clips out the same way as putting clips in. Like if you say you got $10,000 to deploy, could you save money for a year or two years from your job? If you just put it all in at once, I mean, you're going to stress about it all the time. And if it's preventing you from sleeping, then you're misallocated. Um, so make it to where you can sleep at night. And then if you turn that $10,000 into $100,000 or a million dollars or whatever, like if you can't sleep at night, then you need to be able to consider what can I do? What changes can I make to where I can maintain exposure in this thing that I still believe in and I don't think is done and yet like feel comfortable with the outcome, even if it all goes to zero you know and a lot of people uh, we we lost many <laughs> because they did not take that that like mild amount of conservatism into account and um don't be one of those don't be one of those that was right on the big general themes and yet gained nothing out of it you have to have a sell plan going into yeah. this. Uh, that that is, I think, timeless advice. And while we're on the the subject of advice, I I, I um, really appreciate your perspective on this because you're a bit more a trader than probably myself and and maybe David as well. And you know, we're I mean, we are zero out of a hundred points allocated to the trader skill set. Yes, <laughs> uh, very little. But but you do so in a very uh, patient way. But you know, maybe I'll make a comment uh, for those I guess second cyclers, those who came in, you know, 2021, 20. 
2022 on, on where I often see mistakes being made at this point in the cycle. And I, I'm wondering if you guys have any reflections on this. And, and uh, this is what I call kind of the chasers. So the type of person who look at the pumps and then readjust and reallocate their position to just jump and ape into the, to the, to the closest pump. And so one week they'll be bullish ether, but then Bitcoin pumps, right? And they'll look on crypto Twitter and they'll see the narrative switch. And, you know, it, ether was always a shit coin and now it's uh, net inflationary. And like, these are all of the reasons why Bitcoin is king and still king and wins mm. and ether sucks. And then they'll take their ether position and they'll sell mm. uh, that and they'll buy right into the, the Bitcoin pump, right? And then Bitcoin will run a little bit. And then next thing you know, ether is pumping. And so what they what they do is they they chase all of the pumps that happen. They kind of they crop rotate right. into all of the like narrative pump wrong positions rather than having that that conviction that uh, you were just talking about. And I, I'm wondering if you could speak to them, Ledger, because I bet that's a, a failure mode that that you often see under under kind of the the trader lens. Yeah, you know, how does that go wrong, and how do you prevent that? Yeah, and that's not that's not easy for me to manage either. I mean, I've had to work on that myself like the thing that i have not mastered that i would love to figure out this cycle is what i would call like tax efficient portfolio management mm -hmm. so you know you may have this conviction in different ways that you want to take some more of these trades and yet it's like okay here's one that i believe in i think it's going to 10k right like hey look at that guys we got a 5x plus on our hands and so like, why would I not want tax efficient portfolio management if I'm going to make, you know, an eight, $8,500 profit per Ethereum that I own? Um, if my cost basis is 1500 or 2000 or whatever you can get it one ETH for, like, and you think it's going to 10K, why in the world would you want to get rid of the entirety of that core position other than you're chasing something or playing the ratios or some of these things? So you have to figure out how can you like, satiate that desire mm. and figure and also maintain your core position there's risky ways to do that at like using leverage right like you can deposit that ETH on something like ave borrow five percent against it like a relatively small amount something that you can repay and use that five percent to do what like more short-term trades that's one route that's not that risky just don't go and do like i'm gonna borrow 80 <laughs> percent. you know like now you're quite levered and you might not be able to pay that back but that that's one potential thing that you could do. Um, another would just have a portion of your portfolio that is active trades to chase things, to let small ideas become big ideas. There's huge advantages for that. Like DeFi summer was that way for me, where I had a tiny amount in DeFi early on, but I was convinced I need to go explore this. And then it turned into a bigger amount. And you allow these like smaller amounts to become bigger and then you start building back to the core position with that, or maybe you're committed to shorter term capital gains for those. I don't know, whichever way you look at it. And yeah, I think you just, you have to know what your plan is in that regard too, because people don't talk about taxes. I talk about taxes all the time. I get made fun of a lot for it, but I, it, I also talk about taxes. Yeah. You, yeah. you and Ryan just love talking about taxes. <laughs> but it, well, it, it is, you know, it, it is, talk, it is the interest rates of crypto as in you got to beat that amount. Go talk to Zach at Token Tax sometime. And like, he's probably a good example of like somebody that he, he hears your like heart's fears 
and stuff like going into tax season. And yet like, it's the same people like spouting off, never talking about it in real life. And then they're mm -hmm. facing, they're facing it. And they're like, Holy cow, I got to figure this out. That's another way people go broke is they can't pay their taxes. And like, mm -hmm. that's the worst, right? You don't want to do that. Um, and just don't get taken out of the game. And that's one of the things that can take you out of the game. And if you're creating like needless, um, tax impacts versus if you go into your strategy with a with that plan then you you might you might have some stuff that you're just committed to this it, it is this is what it is you know i've i'm going to have i believe in solana so i'm going to have a, a this core position over here and 20% of it's going to be solana and 30% of it's going to be ETH and 50% of it's going to be Bitcoin. And I'm not going to touch that, you know, mm. like that's going to just sit there for the macro cycle. Now, if I want to go chase Obama, Sonic, Inu, Harry Potter coin, <laughs> I'm going to go do it over here with the smaller with a separate stack, yeah, yeah, separate stack, smaller slice. I do that in my real life where I have literally different bank accounts, trading accounts, exchanges, wallets. And some of them are just, I'm not supposed to touch them. And if I go to, I need to make it hard. Like I need to go unlock a door, then unlock a safe, and then like dig through this thing and restore a wallet. Because if I don't have to do that, like I will, gonna I will I'm going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ledger, let's uh, close this out for us. So we started with this, this big uh, meta question of is the crypto bull market back? So gun to your head. What, what do you think? Is the crypto yes. bull market back? Yes. Ooh, said yeah. Yeah, I do. All right. It could take some time. You might caveat with that, but it's bad. And I and We're I back. really and I really hope it's not everything goes up. If everything goes up, mm -hmm. I have very little faith in the long term sustainability uh, of it. You want the low so and you, slow. I want low and low and slow. Let the Dan Matuszewski calls it the hot ball of money. Like let it let it build up before it starts rotating around. And that right. basically means let Bitcoin let Bitcoin be Bitcoin. We're back. We're back, baby. I feel like it's official now that Ledger came Ledger on said we're back. And, uh, and called it. Um, okay, so last question for you to close this all this out. So how are you playing this market right now? Just put back on your trader hat. How, how are you personally investing in this market right now? I uh, Like I said, I've, um, the most active stuff I've been in is actually in an IRA, which is weird. Um, <laughs> Tax efficiency, <laughs> it's not weird. Yeah, so I'm like, uh, goofing around with very fast term trading with that. And then honestly, maintaining a core position. There's some stuff where I do have long-term capital gains, uh, from invest investments that have become liquid where I'm trying to consider my long-term planning options. Right. So I can take profit with long-term gains on something and then transition it into like a larger core ETH position is the type of thing I'm considering right now. I think this is a pretty good time to make like if I'm if I feel like I need more ETH, for example, and I have a lot of Bitcoin, it you know below 0.05 is probably pretty good, you know, for mm. for for ETH. Um, even though it looks bad, just short little clips so that you keep earning from upside in Bitcoin, but you might you know start reallocating your position in that way. Um, and then for for Bitcoin itself, like I'm really hard at holding Bitcoin for a long time. Uh, I can hold ETH for a long time, but like for Bitcoin, I tend to be a little more trader-ish. And it's mostly because I think the path for Bitcoin is so mainstream. The path for Bitcoin to go from 33 to 99, right? Like a 3X. Everybody in the world will be talking about it. But the path for me to find like some trade 
out there where I think I might be able to make a three X, I feel like is more accessible. Uh, And so I'm a degenerate in that way. And I go chase that trade. Let me ask you this ledger. So um, Bitcoin's had a bit of a run. It might be in the early phases of that. Uh, We talked about soul and it's had a bit of a run. It might continue in the future. Um, How about ether right now? I know you're a big ether bullet. It feels like it's been left behind. Do you think? No, I think it can, I think it's likely to follow whenever, whenever Bitcoin calms down. The the greatest thing about a Bitcoin ETF is as soon as that spot Bitcoin ETF comes out, the next thing you speculate on is when is the Ethereum spot ETF coming out? Yeah. Because I, I think ETH BTC could bottom the day that the Bitcoin ETF goes live. Like that would be a very typical type of crypto thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um and I, and I think that's also more accommodating if rates have topped and, you know, that's obvi- try, trying to extrapolate what's Ethereum going to do based on what's Jay Powell doing. Um, but if long-term, if long-term yield comes down, um, then I think that could be good for risk assets in general and, and Ethereum kind of leading the bunch there. Mm-hmm. And I will say the spot ETH ETF, is going to mean more for Ether than the spot Bitcoin ETF will mean for Bitcoin simply because of the uh, the sizes, the relative sizes yes. of these two assets. Like I, like I said, if I if I have strong conviction, BTC is going to 100K and ETH is going to 10K. One's a 3X and one's a 5X. Like, we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about comebacks, Ledger. When is uh, Up Only coming back? When's, when's Kobe coming back yeah. online here? <laughs> Uh, if I knew, I probably still wouldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have you guys back on when, when that, uh, Joyce event happens. Uh, Ledger, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun and, uh, Ledger's called it. We are officially back. We are back the early stages of the bull market. The bull market is back. We're glad to have you on Bankless. All the settlers who stayed with us through these dark times. Uh, I think, uh, it's, it's going to be well worth the wait. Ledger, thank you so much for coming on Bankless and chatting with us about this. It's always a pleasure to be with you both. Thanks for having me and keep doing good work. Awesome. Risks and disclaimers, Bankless Nation, of course. The bull market might not be back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We should mention that. Crypto is risky, uh, so is trading. You can definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Bull market or not, thanks a lot. 